Three, two, one. Recording? Yeah, recording. <laughs> this is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 61. Daniel Cruz Chan edition. Do you prefer Daniel Chan or Daniel Cruz Chan? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I usually just go by Daniel Chan. I put the Cruz in there just uh, to... Because my mom, you know, it makes her happy. So I put Daniel Cruz Chan on my books. <laughs> okay. And we make yeah. your mom happy at the top of the show then. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where we have Dan answer the most in- important question ever. Is the hype of your sequel something we can believe in? Um, no. No, I'm sorry. Oh. It's not. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we've just we we totally I, I've just ambushed you all. I'm sorry. Oh. Well, now that we're all heartbroken. Yeah. So, Daniel, we actually kind of got to know you um, through your first game, which was God King. Right. Uh, which you released. What was that? That was about a year ago. Six months. Uh. Ago? Yeah. It was like I think it was in April. Yeah, April. I'm pretty sure it's April. And we played that on the podcast, and we gave it a... It wasn't a playtest since the game was out already. It was an actual, honest-to-goodness review of the game, and um, we enjoyed it, and I think we said as much in the podcast. Uh, So now you have a new game out, right? Yeah, um, Ledger Domain Betrayers. Uh, it's, It's actually the game that I was making before. Just, like, God King actually is my second game. Uh, mm. technic- in, in in a chronological sense in, in, in terms of what I've actually been developing. Right. So yeah, it, it's Legend of Main Betrayers is actually the first thing, like full-fledged game that I've ever tried to pursue creating. And uh, it's about uh, magicians who are on the run from this magical community, which I had no idea ever existed. Um, so yeah, it's, that's my, I guess the second game that I've released, but actually the first game that I've ever, um, embarked upon creating. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Because I know that the games that, the first couple of games, particularly the first game that I really was serious about producing isn't out yet either, isn't finished. It's always that first project that's big, that becomes a behemoth, at least in my experience, it becomes the thing that you can never quite, uh, you, you know, that you can't grapple with, that you can't complete as quickly as maybe your second project, where, you know, maybe you take a break from that project and then you think of something else and all the pieces for that just sort of fall into place. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, we, that's exactly what was going on with uh, The Legend of Mame Betrayers. I, I kind of needed to kind of step back from it and re-examine the way it worked. Because I, at that, at the point that I had it, uh, where I decided to diverge and do God King, uh, it just was pretty horrible and I wasn't sure what to do with it. So I thought, you know, I'd kind of go on a side project and see how I could kind of, you know, come up with new ideas for it. And that actually turned into like this full fledged thing. So that I guess, and, and for some reason that second thing became easier to develop and that just went by really quickly. And that's why that came out first because it just time just flew by as i was working on it and it was it was a blast to do so and, and you know not not to say that legend of main betrayers wasn't a blast it was just that it was i'd been working on it for you know so long that right. it was kind of like you know i wasn't really sure what to do anymore right. so 
Right. I, I think that's exactly what it was. I, I just had to step back and kind of do something else. Right, and get perspective, really. Right. And I think, um, yeah, and that happens. What I want, I do want to really jump into the mechanics here because that's really what we spend a lot of time talking about on the podcast. Okay. But before we jump into the mechanics, I want to talk a little bit about theme of the game, the kind of the inspiration, you know, the uh, as as we like to say on the show, atmospheric content, you know. <laughs> right. I, I, I want to talk about that. So All right. I'm going to give Rudy and Alex a chance to jump in here with questions soon. But I, I wanted to ask you, what were your major inspirations for the game? Like what books, what movies, what um, even what music really inspired the kind of even interesting, like uh, very noirish, I guess you would yeah. atmosphere here. And a lot of uh, and personally, the, the thing I mentioned to you in email was the prestige. That right, right. magical noir thing going on. And I thought, uh, I, I think that, you know, the content here, the, the setting you've created is really interesting. So I wanted to give you a chance to talk about where that's coming from. Okay, so the first thing I have to say, like, it, it's kind of a weird thing, even though it's completely different now, is that it was the whole idea of the Ledger Domain Betrayers started out as a, a Harry Potter game. Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of weird, because uh, my background with RPGs is, a, is probably a lot different from most people. I, I didn't really grow up playing, like, D&D and, you know, stuff like that. I, I kind of did a lot more indie games. My indie games were my first exposure to RPGs, actually. Huh. Like, I really wanted to play D&D before when I was, you know, younger, but I didn't have the money, so I, I used to play all these indie games, you know, because you could easily get them. A lot, a lot of times they were free. But anyway, like, so from that, I, I, I got into a lot of, like, freeform gaming, and, like, one of the ideas I had was because... Uh, at the time, I and my friends were really into Harry Potter, so <laughs> we came up with this idea for a Harry Potter RPG. Right? So it's actually based on that, which is um, I'm not sure. I, I mean, are, are you guys like familiar with you know all the Harry Potter lore at all? Uh, Somewhat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we range from Rudy, who is very familiar. I, I mean, I, I've seen a couple of the movies, and I looked at the wikis a little bit, and that it's so like prevalent in the culture that I know enough to get by. I don't know about Alex. <laughs> uh, I, I know I know all the lame things that uh, are used to make fun of. Okay, that's good then. Good. Well, I mean, for the for these purposes, not that we're. <laughs> although it's going to make me look a little geeky too, but hey, you like, don't really, There's no real competition there, <laughs> man. <laughs> this is called Mom's Basement Podcast. <laughs> so okay, so basically the idea was that um, it would follow like what would happen after the books, I guess, and um, it. I, I, it's it's suggested that um, Harry Potter's I think it's I think it's more like fact that he becomes an auror, which is uh, I think that I forgot if that's the proper term. I'm pretty sure it's auror, but he becomes an auror, which is basically this uh, wizard that hunts bad wizards or something. I guess I'm, I'm kind of it, this is kind of embarrassing. Just so just <laughs> bear with me. No but, <laughs> but anyway. That's that's the basic idea. Was that um, it was this game about Harry Potter hunting uh, these four wizards, and it, it, everyone knows in Harry Potter you use wands for magic. You, you need a wand to perform magic most of the time. Otherwise, it's extremely tough to do magic with just words or 
uh, with hand gestures. But these four wizards, um, they could do magic without any wands or any apparatus at all. Uh, and, and that was basically the gist was, uh, it was because, uh, kind of like in what the game is now, they, they had no idea that there were such a thing as this whole, you know, wizarding and witches and all that stuff. They just thought they were the only people in the world that could perform magic. Right. So they kind of learned on their own, you know, that's why they can perform magic uh, without a wand and all that stuff. And there was all kinds of explanations for how that happened because, you know, like in the Harry Potter's thing, series there's like you know people actually can find these people so i i I made up all these stuff that for the reason why that they could not be found but i I won't get into that because it's too geeky right now (laughs) uh anyway that that was the that was the start of it um i and my friends kind of came up with that and then we kind of made like a little system for it um called wands uh (laughs) because you know like like i said I, i was I was too poor to be able to afford any systems or anything. So yeah, all this, a lot of the stuff we played was either indie, um, it was free or we created it ourselves. Right. So oh. that's, we, yeah. So we did, so we created the system called wands and we had Harry Potter and the ledger domain betrayers was the original title. <laughs> so that, that's the main source where this whole thing comes from <laughs> as so, silly as it sounds how did you get from there it's very interesting because you would not see having you know look through the manual a bit and you don't see any of that in there you know you you would never have guessed that this started out as a work of uh not fan fiction but as a fan work yeah because now it's it's so so much darker than that i guess you would say right. and it's um has so much more it's just um you would never i guess is what i'm saying you would never have seen that that was an ins- the inspiration so how did this go from a harry potter fan game to something that's more like the prestige more like dark city more like uh you know at any of those films i i think it's it's kind of hard uh for me to kind of really trace the steps it, it just it's one of those things where it just slowly evolved over time to where suddenly you just have this new thing, this completely different idea from what you started with. But I think a lot of it does have to do with my influences over the years. Like, I guess I more, not really like the games I would play, although like World of Darkness and stuff like that was stuff I was really a big fan of playing, but it was more of the stuff that I liked watching. So like, with games, I, I really want to be able to create like a really cool story. Right. And so for me, the stuff that I like watching, uh, or reading and stuff are like these dark things. So I, I guess that kind of just ended up going into my games where I wanted to be able to create that same atmosphere. And, you know, eventually the Ledger Domain Betrayers went from, you know, lighthearted Harry Potter or whatever antics to, I don't, I guess, you know, this darker brooding, uh, different, whole completely monster that you know it, it's 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 just kind of hard to really trace the steps but it, it just slowly became completely different to what it started as alex rudy you want to jump in here with anything um sure so um because initially what i wanted to do is i wanted to ask uh, some silly questions but um so Okay, that's yeah, totally fine. No, it, it it was pretty lousy. So here we go. Here, seeing how you have a knack for art, what is your least favorite p- 
part of the human body and why? Huh. Ooh, that's hard. Huh. That's a good one. Huh. Now I'm gonna. I, I'm probably gonna have to say the face because the whole face because it's pretty hard to get the face right. So you know, if, if you don't have a nice looking face, I mean, like like art wise, it, it's pretty hard to get right. You know. Get a nice looking face right or get something accurate to make somebody look like, you know, who they're supposed to be. So that's probably that a lot of the um, images in your in this book, especially are cut in such a way that you can't see the characters faces. Now, I thought that was a stylistic choice. You know, that was about creating a dark atmosphere, but was it really because you hate faces that fucking much? (laughs) It's it's half and half. I'll say that it's half and half. Because it, it was very effective. I thought, it, I was like, wow, this is really captured, like, you can't see everyone's face. It, it really captures a sense of, like, mystery, and everyone's wearing trench coats and stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah, this this is <laughs> such a mysterious game, so it really <laughs> permeates here. But now you're telling me you just don't like to draw faces. <laughs> well, well, see, the, the main thing with that, though, is I, I like to be able to put myself into the character, so... Yeah and make up my own idea of what the character is. So that that's probably the main thing is I, I just kind of wanted people to be able to imagine themselves or imagine whoever they think is in that situation. So without the face there, it kind of makes it easier, even though, you know, you can see like the skin tone and all that stuff. So, but without the face, that's like the major part that really defines the person. So yeah. that's, that's the main reason, but yeah, faces are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really with you uh, there. One thing that has frustrated me in video games, especially, not so much in RPGs because there's usually some kind of character creation component, but in video games over the last decade or so is the death of the fate- faceless protagonist. You know, the any man protagonist that you can just insert yourself into has right. to such a degree replaced by these highly scripted characters, especially in first-person shooters, but in other, in RPGs, too, to a degree. And I think that's a real loss, personally, but... Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I mean, The Legend of Traders does have, like, really scripted characters, but I wanted to do it in such a way where you could still kind of, you know, put your own kind of personality into these people. Right. And I th- there is kind of, like, a section about it, too, where, you know, you were just supposed to take these characteristics as kind of a guide and then make your own thing out of it. Right. So, but, yeah, I do agree. I, I, I do wish there were a lot more things where you could, especially in video games, where you could just, you know, imagine yourself in there instead of, oh, you know, now you've got, I don't know, Kratos, the god of war, and right. that's exactly who he is, you know. Right. And you can't really imagine anyone else in that position. Right, right. Rudy, did you want to hop in with something here? Um, well, I, I was just going to move to mechanics if you guys were cool with that. Alex Swingle, have you, do you have more uh, silly questions, or do you want to move to mechanics? No, the next part was going to be a serious face question about mechanics. Okay, so Rudy, oh. let's, you can get us started on mechanics then. Well, um, for God King and this game, we both uh, use card mechanics. Um, right. How do you find that to be compared to, say, dice? Like, why would you, why did you make that choice uh, as far as your mechanics instead of like dice or or freeformy okay. stuff? Since you said yeah. you grew up a lot on freeform and that kind of, you know. yeah, definitely. I, I mean, even in 
even when I grew up, though, it, it was mostly dice. Like, even the freeform system that originally uh, was in, I mean, the system, not freeform system, that was in um, Harry Potter and the Legend of Main Betrayers uh, had, was a dice-based system. But I guess I kind of felt that because the first game that I created was, you know, like I said, Legend of Main Betrayers, so the whole idea for playing cards came from there. Uh, it's because of the subject matter with, you know, you have magicians and that, that kind of just matches, you know, you got a deck of cards. So I, I think that's the reason why I kind of wanted to experiment with it. But it, it's also a bit of, I really like the idea behind playing cards or, you know, card games in general where um, you can hold on to something and then kind of influence the result. Whereas with dice games, uh, I, I guess you can influence the result with your stats a lot or, you know, through, what, you know, your special actions. But other than that, once you roll a die, that's it. You can't change the result at all. So I kind of wanted to be able to hold on to some cards and then, you know, get that action of, you know, oh, I'll put this card in to kind of help myself out or, you know, stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, like for me, uh, that that definitely holds true because there's a lot of uh, dice uh, systems out there <clears throat> that are actually very passive, like after mm-hmm. character creation and um, some, something like uh, what you were what you were showing there with the uh, with the with the cards, you know, of, you know the black and uh, right. um, red there, uh, especially with when the earlier version of God, you know, with God King there, it definitely shows uh, a little more strategy, a little more uh, active participation, right. and that's what I really liked about that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, too, um, it, it's much more like you can put in, a, I don't know, for me, there, you can, you can, I guess you feel like a lot more like you're into the action since you're, you know, like you're in the conflict just because you're actually, I don't know, it's just for me because I, I play a lot of card games, too, like Magic the Gathering. So I can I can kind of imagine like as if I'm actually doing something by, oh, you know. I'm going to fight him, and now I'm going to put down my fight card, for example. Stuff like that. It's more dynamic than dice. Yeah. Dice are a very passive medium of play. You roll the dice, and then you read the dice. Whereas when you're playing a game that involves cards, the act of manipulating the cards is an act of play. You know, it's a strategic act, and it's also an engaged act. So there's that there's that dynamism there. There's that back and forth there that you really don't get with people rolling dice and then passively reading the result. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So I wanted to ask you about social mechanics, because one of the things that I really loved about God King was, was the way that the secrets mechanics and the social mechanics in the game really got you, put you in a position where you were both dependent on the other players for your survival, but also competing with the other players for, um, you know, for some ultimate goal. So... Your end game, your positive end, it's almost like the prisoner's dilemma, right? You have to, you and the other person have to cooperate a little bit or else screwed. Right. Your best possible scenario involves also screwing the other players. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I wanted to know, are there any, what are the social mechanics like in this game? You have that kind of cooperative, competitive thing going on here? Okay, so originally uh, I, I did have it in the Legend of Mame Traders where it was like, in, like exactly like in God King where you were working with your, you know, partners or, you know, I, I don't know, what, what depends on who's playing. Yeah, I, I guess 
you know, because you, you guys get to decide who you guys are. So, right. you know, working with your partners, your friends, or whoever in the game. You're, so the characters could be whoever. But anyway, you're working with the group, uh, and you're also originally you were supposed to sell them out, which was, uh, I, I guess it, it just kind of got phased out because it didn't feel right after going into God King. I, I didn't really feel like it really matched with the way the game was set up. Uh, so now it's more, uh, it's, it's definitely very, very cooperative now. Like the, out of the special stuff that you have in the game are, uh, you can use them to help your friends out instead of we're in God, in God King. It's, it's pretty much, you can help the other people out, but you also have that, big, big, you know, ability to, you know, screw them over. Right. Uh, this isn't really in... Uh, I, I mean, I, I think there's one character, um, I, I, Marcus Fax, yeah, that's the one, uh, who can actually actively work against the other people. His abilities allow for that. Oh, really? And I guess some of the... Yeah, his abilities do allow for that, uh, but it, it's not really... Like, in the game text itself, it's not really encouraged. It, you know, it doesn't really say anything about, oh, you know, you should fight against these people. Uh, but originally there was this thing that I had, um, which ended up being recycled as a different concept. Uh, it was the witch brand. I'm not sure if you guys, uh, read that part yet, but, uh, the witch brand basically was going to be branded onto one of the players, which is randomly given out by the, the GM. And basically what that does is it, it binds the person to have to help the witches out who are after them, the coven out who are after them. So that was the original idea. And then that person would basically, you know, go around messing with the other people or trying to get them caught. But it just got taken out. And, uh, because I don't, I don't know. I, I, in, when I went with God King, I guess the idea just became so full fledged with everyone being able to, you know, screw everyone else over. And, and that really being the main focus of the game is, you know, helping them and then also betraying them. Uh, but I, it, it didn't really feel right. Yeah. The opposite direction here and make a truly, com a truly cooperative game. But yeah. You're it, saying there are mechanics there that allow the players to help each other cooperatively. So there are still social mechanics there. There's still yeah. mechanics that allow your actions to have a real impact on how the other players are playing the game. It's a, it's definitely a lot. This one is definitely a lot more about helping out your fellow man than where God King is really just get whatever you want and, you know, do it however you need to. It, right. It's, it's more focused on cooperation. And I think too, I think it's my frame of mind too, because when I was playing, um, God, I mean, when I was doing God King, you know, playing it too, whatever, right. uh, I, I was doing a lot of playing a lot of games where, uh, it was a lot of player versus player type of stuff. Right. So um, I'm not sure if you guys know about the board game uh, Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space or stuff like that, basically, where you, you're really going against the other people. And I was playing a lot of video games like that, too. Um, so once transitioning into going back into The Legend of Main Betrayers, uh, I actually noticed this, that I was actually playing a lot more cooperative stuff, like Portal and you know, things like that. So I, I guess that could be a part of it. Like video game wise portal, I should say, if it's not an RPG for anyone that doesn't know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I guess it could just be that too, or it, it's just what I was playing at the time that kind of, you know, influenced that. 
Rudy, Alex, did you want to jump in with anything? Oh, um, in in regards to the um, to the uh, the cards itself, like um, when when did that uh, occur to you to put like you know to mark like um, the black card as like body and like you know the the red card as like you know more like you know emotions like the mind. Because that that that's something that I, I never uh, saw with playing cards. I saw them as four separate suits, and a lot of people use that kind of uh, you know that obvious section of uh, playing cards to, to you know like you know diamonds would be like you know greed and stuff like that. Um, when 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 did that come up? Be referring to one of my games, I think, and maybe <laughs> slamming it just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle hint there. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, it, I don't know really. It, it just came about organically, I guess. I, I was like the major influences for the the card system are just come from stuff like Magic: The Gathering, you know, like other like card game card games, like trading card games. Mm. So I, I guess just when I was sitting there and just trying to think of the system, it it just seemed natural to me that you know red and black and and you you've got them you, you separate them into you know ones for the mind and ones physical conflicts uh, I, I don't really know where the you know like the direct inspiration came from it, it just i guess it was just there okay and i wasn't uh wasn't doing any passive aggressive shit i would have called you out on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay Ready? uh yeah actually um alex actually touched on the question i was going to ask basically was about the uh, two because I like him. I basically saw like when I think about card games, I think about the four suits, and not necessarily mm. the way you did it. So, um, I have a pseudo question here that doesn't come from any of our listeners. Uh, <laughs> any of our listeners? Well, I don't think he's a listener, but that doesn't come from any of us here. But actually, comes from I. Posted about after you sent us the game, I posted about it on Google Plus, and a lot of people were interested in in the game and the premise and so on. Uh, Jason Morningstar, re- renowned creator of Fiasco and the Grey Ranks and some other games, he's not as well known for. Uh, he said, "I love that premise. I want to know more about the game and its development." And I was like, well, you know, I can't really tell you about it. It's not my game. And I linked to the Starry Games thread where you talked about it. And then he came back and he says, I want to know if it hangs together as a game, if it has been playtested, stuff like that. Okay. So, yeah, definitely. It's about it as a cohesive game, as a as a game that works as, as a game, as one functional unit. Hold on a second, yeah. Dan. I just want to include this, this last part here. That's really no important. Problem. I do enjoy how you point him to the thread to like you know ask Dan that question you know himself and yet he still just puts the comment on your side. It's like fucking ask Dan, you know. That's the oh, I mean, I had um, and I said afterward, well, you Dan will have to answer those questions. But I mean, I had started a conversation about it on Google Plus, so it's not like I wasn't inviting discussion of the game. <laughs> I'm saying, you know what I'm saying though. He had the opportunity. He still, he still didn't do it. It's like you don't really care that much. Well, I mean, I was, I was kind of. I think he may have thought that when I started this thread, I had basically just received the game and skimmed through the game and been like, man, this game's pretty. <laughs> I, I really hadn't re- reached a depth of understanding beyond that of the game. So, anyway, Dan. 
All right. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the Legend of Main Betrayers, especially more so than God King, has uh, gone through, like, a lot of work and a lot of playtesting. I, I mean, I guess I can't really say for myself whether, you know, it actually holds up. I'll have to leave that to the reviewers and the people, the other people that play it. Because otherwise, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it'll just be pointless to toot my own horn and say, you know, it's the best game ever. But I, I do, I, I, it does, you know, have, in my opinion, um, you know, the stuff to make it a, a game that works, you know, for as a whole. Um, it, it's been playtested a lot. Like, like I said, this is the game that I've been, you know, working on for like the longest time that, like, it, it's it started out you know like I said as a Harry Potter game and just completely changed but you know it's still the game that that I've worked on a lot and I guess the thing is though um, it depends on you know who's playing it if whether it'll actually be successful or not I think um, as a game it it's definitely more meant for the people who just want to be able to tell stories I guess interesting stories in an interesting setting. Uh, because that that's how I started off. It, it's for me, the story always came first. So like when I would play with my friends, you know, we would just come up with these crazy settings and then whatever system we tacked on later, you know, was just there just so that, you know, we would have some semblance of game. And sometimes we just go completely freeform. And, but, you know, it, this game has been, you know, worked on a lot. So, uh, I guess there's that. I don't really, I don't really know, you know, just, what the requirements are for like the perfect game, but yeah, it's. Right. Just to interject, I guess my question would be, after hearing that, would be, how do the mechanics of the game help to create those crazy stories that you want to tell? Okay, cool. That, yeah, that I can answer that for sure. So I, I mean, the, the mechanics are. This game is a lot more cooperative, so a lot of the mechanics are now, you know, aimed. Originally it wasn't, but now it's aimed more towards cooperation. So uh, you've got basically these special actions that you can do. Oh, well, I guess I, mean, I, should, I guess I should explain like the mechanics first, the basic sure. mechanics. So basically, the basic mechanics of the game are uh, you've got black and red cards, and that's basically all you ever really need to know, other than aces and um, jokers. And basically, uh, there's a, a set difficulty of every action requires at least five uh, black cards or red cards, depending on your character. Um, your character has something called uh, fate, which basically tells you that, oh, this character can use red cards or this character can use black cards. So that, that's the base of it. You, you need to um, draw a hand of five of one color. So, and then after that, you can apply, like, all these things to it, like, uh, basically your special skills, which make the difficulty easier. So it can go down to, like, three cards of one color instead of needing five cards. So uh, it, it's all meant to kind of, kind of, especially the high difficulty, because uh, it, it, in, in our playtests, it's definitely, there's a lot of times where things can go wrong just because the difficulty is set a little bit high. Because you need five, like, you need pretty much... To win any action, essentially you just need five, you know, of one color, and that is kind of hard to draw, you know, five cards in a row of the same color. So, basically, the idea behind that is that, you know, this is a really harsh world, and we kind of wanted to, or I kind of wanted to, you know, show that off by making things that aren't 
you know, within your expertise, very easy to do and still making those other things, you know, like risky things still very hard to do, even if you know, you know, a little bit about, I don't know, rock climbing. So if you're going to climb a rock, you know, it'll still be, if you're going to climb a, a cliff, it'll still be hard to do. Um, and basically everything after that, like the special abilities that your characters have are, are meant to kind of allow you guys, you, your whole group to kind of help each other out and, you know, make things a little bit more exciting and get everyone involved in the story. And so then that, just to build off of that, the fact that there's that high starting level of difficulty, you're saying really encourages people to use their abilities to help right. out the other characters, really encourages cooperation because yeah. each character has abilities that complement, that they can use to to basically... Um, Help. I mean, I, I was looking for a more sophisticated word, but abilities they can use to help the other characters succeed. And right. so it really encourages players to fall back on those abilities and to work together as a team in order to survive. Yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's completely a team game, I think, and, and as opposed to where you might have you know, in D&D where, you know, one character could probably, you know, hobble together past, you know, all these different obstacles, but, it, you know, it'll still be hard, but, you know, it's 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 still, you know, pretty doable. But in this game, it's pretty hard for one person to just completely charge forward and, you know, be able to just own all the enemies or, you know, what have you. Right, right. Yeah. After after I read it, I, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree that you have to flush the system with magic. Right. <laughs> I think Alex <laughs> is that is that a reference to something? Um, five cards of one color is a flush. <clears throat> and one thing that's interesting here, you mentioned how uh, there's kind of the illusion of cooperation in standard role-playing games and traditional role-playing games, uh, but in reality, mechanically, every character is kind of in their own little mechanical bubble. Yeah, and even in many story games, they may not be in their own little um, mechanical bubble as far as combat is concerned, but they're often in their own little narrative bubble. Or mm. it's not a character in a narrative bubble; it's a player who's in their own kind of narrative bubble with their own control over a specific uh, chunk of the narrative. And there's not much interweaving there. There's not much true cooperation there. So I really like it when games like this have mechanics that really force the players to cooperate both within and without the and outside of the game and to and where the mechanics actually weave into the other mechanics in a way where the mechanics are complementary is not just that the game suggests cooperation yeah definitely i think you've said that very well that that's that's exactly the way I, i'm thinking about it in terms of whenever i play games that's that's exactly you know, what I want to happen in the game is is exactly that. Did anyone want to jump in here? Rudy. Um, well, just to get to another topic here, um, your art style for both this game and God King, it's really distinct. I was just wondering how you um, how you go about creating that. Okay. Yeah. It, it's pretty simple. Uh, I, I'm actually kind of... Uh, uh, horrible a horrible artist so uh, I, I hide it a lot by uh, 
through my knowledge of graphic design, just, you know, I, I, layer, I layer a bunch of textures on and stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm not really that great uh, at creating art. So this is just um, pretty much taking images and, you know, manipulating them and um, making it look like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, whether you're great at art or not, you definitely have a lot of skill when it comes to graphic design and layout, and that shows. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah. Which is just really, really, I said this about God King, and it's true of this game as well. This is a very nice-looking book, very nice-looking PDF. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. And it feels thematic, too. That's what I wanted to get at, is that it feels kind of, you know, the art style really complements what the game's about. Yeah, and is there something that you did to get there in terms of, you know, making the visual style of the game match the content of the game? Um, I, I guess it's it's more of, uh, I, I'm not sure if anyone's noticed, but in I, I have like a specific idea in mind for each one. Uh, for Gogging was ancient Japanese art, so I used mm -hmm. a lot of that as the thing for it. For um, Legend of Mame uh I, I had this idea that everyone would wear trench coats. I have no idea why, but I thought that's exactly what dark magicians would wear instead of capes or robes or what have you. Uh, so I guess that that was the main thing. Um, the main theme for <laughs> Legend of Mame was trench coats. So everyone has trench coats on. And basically I built off of that by, you know, just kind of gnawing it up and, making the images dark and uh yeah that's pretty much uh, it, it's it's pretty simple actually uh, it it's not that great i if i were to do it again i'd probably change a lot about it but i i guess it's 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 good for what it is i'm really happy that everyone seems to like it so far that's great alex yeah i don't know did you have anything to say? uh nothing about the game at least Anything not about the game? I think it'd just be a bunch of questions that might be inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> questions. No, as in like for what we were doing at at this moment in terms of uh, either asking about you know said product or ideas. It's just more like I want to know more about this Dan guy, this Dan girl. <laughs> well, then ask that. I mean, I think we. We spent a good solid 45 minutes talking about the game itself here. If you want to talk about something else, Alex, feel free. All right. So, yeah. I'll brace for impact. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, late, lately my uh, my mind has been focused on uh, shitty 80s shows. So, um... Oh, no. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, because uh, uh, what, what it was is I've been um, I've been watching this uh, show called Hunter. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Uh, nice you know, this show. Um, basically, it was like Dirty Harry, but like you know, like early '80s, and it was a TV show. So you know, there was there wasn't an extreme amount of uh, you know blood or violence, but it was uh, it was pretty darn epic. And and so what I the only way I can go is. Like you know, what 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 are some of your favorite TV shows? There you go. That is that simple. Oh, oh, I like that actually. Cause yeah, lately I've been watching a lot of TV shows. Um, let's that's a good one. Um, favorite <laughs> TV shows. Okay. 
that's going to be, uh, I'm going to have to compile the whole list in my head. I, I obviously have to say Firefly is one of them, just because, oh. you know, yes. otherwise you're not a nerd if you don't like Firefly. You just set me <laughs> off. Goody. Goody. <laughs> yeah, no, Firefly is totally awesome. That's my favorite <laughs> shows ever. Honestly. Rudy's been trying to get me to watch Firefly fly forever, and I've mostly been resisting, even though there's only 13 episodes. I'm like, man, I don't have the time. I just do it so that Rudy will beg me to watch it, basically. <laughs> no, Firefly's best, dude. I, I mainly don't watch it because I, uh, I do it out of spite from the director. Mm-hmm. Also, wow. Alex hasn't seen anything that was released after 1999. Oh, really? I don't know. That's <laughs> what I say. All that would be Alex, a little bit. <laughs> all of Alex's pop culture references come from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I like to get jiggy with it, yo. <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's awesome. <laughs> if you want to get jiggy with it. Um, I guess other shows... Uh, one show that, uh, in particular, I'm actually rewatching it right now. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys know it. Uh, it was on NBC. Uh, like, I don't know. I think it was 2006, 2007-ish. Uh, it's called Life. Uh, it's it's about this cop that gets sent to prison for 10 years, and then uh, they find out that he actually didn't murder people that was that he supposedly murdered, and then he gets released, and he becomes a detective. And it's a pretty good show. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys know about it, but yeah. It's I've heard weird. of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've oh, seen that. Yeah, it's actually really good. They canceled it after the second season, but it's NBC, so they cancel everything. <laughs> but it, it's really good. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm rewatching it right now, and it just reminded me that it's so awesome. And that actually reminded me of another game that I worked on that I really wanted to put out now just because of that show, which I won't say here. But anyway... Um, I guess other shows, huh? It's hard because I like a lot of shows. So it's hard to say my favorite shows, but um, well, you 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 brought up a good point there just a few seconds ago. Like, what have been some of like those like movies or TV shows? Cause I know you mentioned like Harry Potter for you know for portrayers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, you know, what have been like some of like your main like sources like for inspiration of like maybe like a random uh, game idea you thought up of. Uh, I, I want to know about like some of that. Okay, uh, I think probably the easiest one to uh, for me to kind of remember is, is specifically for God King. Uh, I was watching Shogun. Uh, you guys know that it, the, it was that super popular miniseries uh, with the guy who uh, uh, I guess he washes up ashore in Japan. Some not oh my gosh, I think I'm butchering the premise, but something like that. But I, I was watching it and. At the same time that I was creating, um, the you know the little prototype that would become God King, and mm-hmm. that's that was like the major inspiration for it. That along with um, Akira Kurosawa movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Although I, I tend to not really like a lot of old stuff, like especially that old. But I guess for some reason at that time I, would, I just happened to be watching them. It it tur- it turns out he also likes many great '80s work. <laughs> oh, that's true. Hey, I like Kurosawa. Kurosawa movies as well. Oh, I can't think of the... What's the movie that is the murder mystery told from four different perspectives? Uh, oh, uh, uh, I know the Rashomon. name. It starts with an R. Rashomon, right? Yes, yes, yes. you're right. Oh, 
would be on my if I was to make a list of like my 25 or 50 favorite films, that would definitely be on there. I love that movie. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Um, yeah, I don't really. It's hard. Uh, like I said, Life was one inspiration for like another game that I have like on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's I, I guess it's a lot of things that inspire me. It, just my daily life in general, whether I'm listening to music or I'm reading a comic book or reading a book. Um, it's just, I guess a lot of my work kind of reflects whatever's around me at the time. So I guess that's why too, like I said, like going back to that earlier point where I was talking about how, you know, at the time that I was making, uh, God King, I was, I was playing a lot of, you know, player versus player type of stuff. Uh, and at the time that I was making Legend of Betrayers, I was playing a lot more cooperative gaming type of things. So I, I guess, yeah, it's pretty much just whatever happens to come by me. That That's pretty much what makes up the, these ideas that end up uh, turning into, you know, Legend of Betrayers or God King and stuff like that. Well, and I think it's interesting the way that worked out when you're talking about cooperation versus um, competition. Because hmm. in both instances, you ended up with a game that kind of played against expectations there. Because your expectation for for a sort of gritty noir setting is a lot of backstabbing. You know, you can't trust anyone. So to start with that setting and to have the game be about establishing trust mm. with your group, having to cooperate with other people is interesting. Whereas on the other hand, when you think of epic historical fantasy, it's usually almost like a band of brothers type of thing. You know, it's right. usually Fellowship of the ring. a group of people... <laughs> adventurers, everyone fills their role and everyone cooperates in order to get things done, in order to accomplish things. And you don't see that much competition, that yeah. backstabbing there. So you really turn both of those on their head in a way that I think really interesting in play, the way the games play against expectations. Yeah, and I don't think it's... It, it wasn't necessarily, like, one of the things that I wanted to do. I guess it, it just... Like I said, things just happened that way. And I, I think... it it ended up working out really well for, at least in, in my opinion, the way I, I really like the way they play. Um, hopefully other people do too, but you know, I, I really like where in God King, it, it's very, very heavily focused on, you know, Oh, you know, I gotta, I gotta get this guy before he gets me. Whereas in Legend of Betrayers is, Oh, I gotta help these guys. So, you know, we can all make it out of this right. together. I, I really like, you know, those extreme ideas where it's like, completely focused on that yeah i agree and i, I we have not played the ledger domain the, the uh, betrayers if i can speak here we have not played it <laughs> yet but we did play god king and we had a blast with all the backstabbing and all the um social politicking and nastiness <laughs> I, I, I had a hilarious time listening to that one by the way <laughs> that was funny so rudy any anything you want to go in here one last silly question here for me. Um, if you had to put together a God King playlist, like the ultimate playlist of music to inspire you while uh, playing God King, what would be on that? Oh, that's horrible. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's really, really tough. Darn. Huh. And would it involve any uh, songs by the Wu-Tang Clan? <laughs> hmm. I, uh, maybe. I, I think quite possibly, yes, it, it would. um probably probably to get into the mindset i guess not not specifically like the setting Mm -hmm. uh maybe 
some childish Gambino in there, and um, <laughs> I don't know. So it, it would have to be a lot of, you know, very aggressive music so that, you know, you're ready to just punch out all of your fellow players. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't really name anything specific. It's hard to come up with stuff because I listen to really mellow stuff. So <laughs> it'd be pretty embarrassing to put on, like, I don't know, like the stuff that I listen to is really, really chill. So <laughs> I don't think it really match the setting very well. Was there stuff that you listened to while you were designing it, though? Or was it, are you someone who works with music on or with music off, I guess I'm asking? Oh, definitely with music on. Um, but I, I, I don't really know if, like, the music's that I've listened to while, like, usually when I'm listening to music, it's just to get into, like, a nice, you know, workflow, just so, you know, I feel like I don't feel too bored while I'm, while I'm doing stuff. Uh, because I, I'm kind of like, I have to multitask. I can't just sit there and do one thing at a time. Right. But if I guess if I were to name some stuff I was I, I was listening to, like, I'm not sure if you guys know uh, the XX. Um, oh, yeah. Some yeah. other good stuff. Uh, <laughs> but, man, sorry, this is kind of... I usually know what songs I listen to, but for some reason I'm blanking right now. Um, it's the pressure of Mom's Basement. That's what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm opening up my my music player right now, so just so I could browse through the stuff that I usually listen to. Uh, oh, you know, Bon Iver. That's that's why I like that's uh, really really chill. You know, it's it's not something you'd expect to listen to while you're trying to backstab someone. Um, <laughs> no, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. Um, a lot of stuff I listen to isn't really mainstream, so I don't know if you guys would really know, like, the Rudy Hush sound. Likely. Rudy likely would. <laughs> oh. Um, Mike Snow, I'm not sure if you guys, or Mike Snow, I guess is the proper way to say it, now that, now I know. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty boring. I don't think anyone would know the music that I listen to, most of them. Um, all some aggressive music for that list, um, from before, 303 and uh, Greaves, probably. I'm not sure if you guys know them. <laughs> yeah, I know them. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yep. Yes, it, it is interesting how that works. Normally, when, I, when I'm when i designing a game or writing anything, really, I don't have anything on. I need kind of, like, all external sim- stimuli needs to be shut off. Oh, really? Designing Dance Macabre, which is my... Uh, kind of Jeep for me game about death. I listened to the soundtrack for the score from the fountain over and over and over again, just on repeat while I was writing out that game. That, by the way, I don't recommend that you actually watch the fountain. <laughs> that two and a half hours of your life, you just can't get back at that point. And, uh, pretty awful movie, but a re- really incredible soundtrack. And the movie is about mortality, and the soundtrack, better than the movie, really expresses that, uh, really somehow expresses that idea of being mortal, of, of, of dealing with death and loss. Uh, with, I have to check that out. And it really, so I had that on, just playing, 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 while I was designing this game about death. So, so it, Oh, um, I, I can tell you why it wasn't that good of a, of a movie there. Why? 
Because it was made past. It was made in the eighties. It's it's actually funny. I I had this thing up until recently where I, I just did not like anything from the past. Mm. But I think slowly I'm starting to like stuff. Like I've been watching some. I, I've been watching a lot of reruns now. For, I have no idea why, but I've just been wanting to watch all this stuff from before. But usually I just want to watch completely new things. So yeah, it, it's kind of weird. Like usually I, I think of stuff from the past as horrible, and the new stuff is a lot better. But I guess it's just slowly fading away for me. I like um, I like stuff from pretty much every decade but the eighties. <laughs> I, I think there were. I think that you see kind of I don't know um, that creativity kind of ebbs and flows in some ways, and that you you see some real creative peaks like. In literature, you see a real creative peak at the turn of the 20th century when modernism becomes a thing. When modern, when you get all the modernist poets and all the expatriate writers, and suddenly everyone is creating this brilliant literature that is just so far beyond what they were creating in the Romantic period and all that nonsense before it. And then with film, you see just an incredible um, boom. I think around in the late 60s, in through the 70s, when you see Scorsese making films like taxi driver and you see all this experimental kind of stuff that's coming out of the excesses of the 60s kind of coping with the aftermath of the excesses of the 60s and there's a lot of really deep psychological stuff and then the 80s i don't know everything just flies off a cliff and crashes into a ravine and there's smoke and <laughs> there's fatalities and it's just an awful mess i'm sorry the the, the stupid I am. Oh, this is <laughs> I was really trying to pay attention, though. I swear. Uh, swingle. No, I heard. I, I heard everything well, and I, I, I'll stand by what I, what I, what I wrote in the, the chat. Ooh. And that is, I see a lot of people not understanding. They don't know what the fuck they are talking about. Hence, William in motion. <laughs> Swing, defend your decade, then. Defend your decade. Actually, you know, I'll, I'll jump up and defend it a little bit. Because Willow and Labyrinth and Dark Crystal came from the 80s. So that's three solid titles, at least, from the 80s. I have not seen those. For, for, for me, though, it has everything to do with... Um, it has to do with the, uh, the mindset of the person. Because, you know, since there's so many... Uh, there's so much shit that goes on. Throughout, you know, every single day, second, minute, all that kind of stuff there. That uh, a lot of people don't notice the good stuff with the bad stuff that was publicized a lot. And so when you have the 80s, there's a lot of revisionist history going on where people are noticing the stuff that was published the most you know, in terms of advertised. And you get like, you know, the really bad keyboard, uh, you know, like electronic keyboard stuff, you know, things like that. But there's just as much good stuff then as there is now. It's just you weren't able to see it back then. So it's harder to find it. Cause that's why I've been finding like all these random TV shows. Like some of them were really popular. Like Hunter was really popular, but it wasn't, it was something I never heard of after it went off the air because everyone's just stopped talking about it, I guess mm. in terms of the mainstream. So when you think of like TV shows from the seventies and eighties, you'll think there's a lot of shit. I mean like uh freaking wasn't like Gilligan's Island in the sixties or something like that. Uh, 
But yeah, but like when you think of like shows like that, um, you don't really think of anything else that was actually good around that time period. Yeah, it was mid sixties. Yep. But there's but there's tons of like you know great stuff going on there. It's just that you don't you don't get the ability to see it. And so anytime someone whacks nostalgia about a certain decade or says like you know what what they think is good, it's kind of it's hard to treat them seriously, basically. Yeah. AKA treating you seriously when you say the eighties are bad. Well, I think holistic about the eighties. I was talking about the eighties as a whole. I'm sure there were some good films from the eighties. Uh, yeah, some. Some some good <laughs> the eighties. There might have been one or two good songs from the eighties that don't get much radio play. <laughs> the fact that you that you denied first blood, it just tells you everything I need to know about your taste. Actually, that does yeah. tell you a lot about me, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I have to I have to say I don't like first blood either. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, I think we should end this thing since he just broke my heart. Oh, Alex. <laughs> oh, Alex. <laughs> I'm, so sorry. I'm really no. sorry. Alex, what will you do? <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, because I, th- I think we, we ran out of stuff to talk about, like, you know, in terms of, in an active conversation. We could stuff that would go on the podcast. Well, I mean, we may find something else, I just don't know how long we have to uh, to speak, you know, with uh, with Daniel there. Oh, whatever's really fine. Um, I, all I've got is dinner later, that's it. Okay. Okay, so I'll see you in about two hours, and then we'll start the second conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I guess what I would say is if we want to wrap up the podcast anyway, it doesn't mean we need to wrap up the conversation, but we can wrap up the podcast. I would say if you need to pitch this game to somebody who's trying to decide, and I'm going to use this again, trying to decide whether they're going to spend that $5 on your game or on a greasy McDonald's Happy Meal. (laughs) Why do they why do they buy the legend domain betrayers? Okay. Well, if you love, you know, playing games where the story is the central focus, especially if you want to actively participate in the story with your fellow players, not just, you know, in a static sense where, you know, you're all in the same story, but you're actually helping each other out and you guys are all helping to advance the story together. Uh, and if you like really cool magicians, with magic, dark magic, and I will call it magic punk. If you like magic punk, um, you should get the Legend of Main Betrayers and sacrifice that one meal. I'm not sure if that was any good, but I'm pretty sure. I, I agree. I think that was great. I think that was fantastic. And um, also, it might put that, uh, you know, those last 20 years of your life spent on dialysis off by a face. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, I think that was uh, that was good. Any final thoughts from from Alex? This this was uh, mildly engaging, and I look forward to uh, more stuff. <laughs> Thanks. It was good to be on. Rudy. Yeah, I just want to thank Daniel for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely get to play that game at some point because it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, just the way you put it, magic punk. That that really that really sells it to me. 
I knew that was gonna be sold for Rudy Johnson. <laughs> oh yeah. That's that's that. Tell all your friends this game is magic punk. That's what it is. That's the genre. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Dan. And I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to playing a game of the Ledger Germain Betrayers. And I'm sure we will get around to it as soon as we dig ourselves out of this playtesting pit that <laughs> you've created for ourselves. And uh, so, once again, two or five, six, maybe even seven listeners. Uh, Greasy Hamburger, Ledger Domain Betrayers, Ledger Domain Betrayers wins out. Okay. But if you can, go with both. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you you should like set up like a combo deal with like McDonald's, saying like you know buy a Happy Meal, get a copy of you know Betrayers. That that would be perfect. I think that would that would be the best. You get your nice little hamburger and you get play an awesome game. I think that would that would be like the tagline. Yeah, I mean, joking aside, like you know, do it, man. I mean, there's a lot of people with diabetes who will definitely play your game. It's quick play games, so you could get through it before the itis set in. I. I I guess I should say too, because um, like right now there's like a sale, so I should say to anyone. I mean, I don't know when this is going up, but just in case, like if anyone's gonna buy it and do the sale, but then I mean, if anyone misses the sale because it's ending like tonight, um, you should wait because there's like a thing happening. I'm not sure if I should really say it, because but around New Year's I'm having another thing, so uh, yeah. Oh wait, shit! You just spoiled that two dollars you were probably gonna get. <laughs> Yeah. So, so there's a special promotion on the game coming very soon. Uh, yeah, kind of. I, I mean, I guess I, I guess I don't mind saying it. it's, it's. I'm doing like a bundle thing on um, a near around New Year's. Uh, I'm not the date's not really pinned down yet, but it'll include like an extra new game and some bonus content and stuff. So. Ooh, bonus material. Yeah. So. There you go, uh, five listeners. You just got an exclusive exclusive scoop on an upcoming bundle deal. Want <laughs> to be checking? And the website is spiffup.org, right? Or .com? Uh, .org. It is .org. Okay, spiffup.org. And we'll put a link to that on our blog so people can find it. Awesome. Okay, thanks, Dan. And with that, I think microphone coming out, Alex. Uh, yeah, sure. Yep, yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> All right. All right.